0: Hi interns, and welcome back. I just wanted to take a second at the start of this episode to warn you that this episode is going to discuss a child, and it may be triggering or upsetting for you if child illness or child loss is a difficult subject. So if you need to skip this one, go ahead. If you do listen to it, make sure to take care of yourself. Welcome to the Miss Medical Podcast, Diagnosis Flatline. I'm your host, Destry Godwin. Miss Medical explores stories of misdiagnosis, malpractice, mysteries, and misogyny. You're my interns, and this is where true crime and medicine collide. This is Miss Medical. Today's story is taking us way out on the east coast of Canada, specifically to a town called Gillums, located northwest of the city of Corner Brook in Newfoundland, Canada. It's a tiny rural town with a population reported in 2021 of only 506 people. If you look up the town on Google Maps, I can definitely see the appeal of the remote location. Located on the western side of the island portion of Newfoundland, it's nestled in a valley surrounded by rolling hills of endless green forests on three sides and the vast gulfs of St. Lawrence closing off the fourth side. It's in this tiny town where we meet Kaylee Margaret Wheaton, Kaylee was born on July 9th, 2001, to mom, Sharon, and dad, Peter. She was the first child for the couple, and was a bright, happy girl. I'm not sure on the exact timing, but Kaylee didn't stay an only child. She became a big sister to her little brother, Zachary, somewhere around 2006, by my guess, when she was about five years old. I can't say if these dates are entirely accurate, though. It's kind of a bit of guesswork based on the photos of her and Zachary together that I've found. Now, there is somewhat limited information in the days leading up to March 13th of 2011, but I did find a source that said Kaylee had been sick for several days. On or around March 10th, which is just three days before, she was sick enough that her parents took her to the local hospital, where her primary complaints were a cough and an earache. She was seen by a doctor, prescribed antibiotic eardrops for a suspected ear infection, and then sent home. Her parents were advised, as is typical, to return to the hospital if she became worse or they weren't seeing improvements within a few days. If you're listening as a parent, you'd probably have the same thoughts as me. Kids get sick all the time. And as far as I can tell, this didn't seem especially out of the ordinary for Kaylee either. But what was out of the norm here was that Kaylee was not getting better after the eardrops. So, as they had been told to, on the morning of March 13th, 2011, Kaylee's parents brought her back to the Western Memorial Regional Hospital, which is in Cornerbrook, Newfoundland, over concerns that she had been vomiting and they were worried that she was potentially dehydrated. She arrived at the hospital at 10.23 a.m. and was assessed by an ER doctor by the name of Dr. Christo Taylor. I couldn't verify the specific details of what tests or treatments were initially done that day, but I would imagine, just from my experience working in a children's emergency room, that Dr. Taylor possibly gave Kaylee some anti-nausea medicine, something like ondansetron, which is more commonly known as Zofran. He probably also ordered routine blood work and started fluids to get Kaylee rehydrated. That's just speculation, though. I don't have any reports that really detail what was done. Shortly after arriving, Kaylee was also complaining of leg cramps. But since one of the leading causes of leg cramps is actually dehydration, this wasn't exactly a shocking symptom. By 11am, which is only about 40 minutes after Kaylee had gotten to the hospital, Dr. Taylor noticed that Kaylee's skin was looking mottled, and he suspected that her peripheral cardiovascular system was actually shutting down. Which is kind of just a fancy way of saying that she clearly had reduced circulation, especially when it got to the very far branches of her veins and capillaries. This can be caused by m- many things, so in itself, it doesn't point to any specific diagnosis. Just simply having relatively low blood pressure and being dehydrated could cause a person's blood volume to decrease and the blood itself to be a bit thicker and stickier, which could cause skin modeling. At this point, we've still really only got known symptoms of vomiting, dehydration, leg cramps, and now the skin modeling. Still, Dr. Taylor did ensure a neurological exam was done, which showed no signs of meningeal irritation. Well, it doesn't explicitly state what they were investigating with that exam. I'd guess they were looking at meningism, which are symptoms that are similar to meningitis, though not actually caused by meningitis. Meningism is most commonly associated with acute febrile illness in children and adolescents, which basically is just any sudden acute illness that involves a fever. However, because there is a lot of crossover in terminology here, it's possible that they were also attempting to rule out actual meningitis. Thankfully, though, whichever way you want to slice it, her exam didn't show any warning signs of either meningism or meningitis. Now, interns, what would you assume the diagnosis is at this point? Well, Dr. Taylor made a diagnosis of upper respiratory infection, something which I see diagnosed a lot in our children's emergency room, usually shortened to URTI on the chart he also diagnosed her with bronchitis and a sinus infection. I should note that generally, URTI and bronchitis are referring to the same issues related to the respiratory system. It's possible that Dr. Taylor suspected bronchitis, but without any definitive testing, he probably included it only as a specification under the kind of broader umbrella term of URTI. Despite starting treatment, which, unfortunately, again, I couldn't find the specific details of what that treatment actually entailed, Kaylee actually continued to get sicker. Her blood pressure increased, her heart rate was elevated Medically, those terms would be hypertensive and tachycardic. By the time afternoon rolled around, only a few hours since Kaylee had arrived at the hospital, things took a turn down a path that would change the lives of everyone involved. Kaylee, who was still alert was alarmed and told the medical staff in a panic that she couldn't move her arms or legs. When they examined her extremities to try and figure out what the heck the problem was, they found that her hands and feet were cold, like freezing cold. But even worse, the nurse could not get a blood pressure reading. Kaylee's body was shutting down, But why? The ER doctor at this point sent Kaylee to the intensive care unit as it became clear that she was much more ill than they had originally suspected and she was going to need all of the life-saving measures available in the ICU. But it was already too late. Kaylee went into cardiac arrest and was pronounced dead At 8.20 p.m., just mere hours after arriving in the hospital, she was nine years old. Her parents' lives were shattered in an instant. How, in the care of the hospital and being monitored by doctors and nurses, could they have lost their daughter? Kaylee's cause of death was due to her septic state, which had gone undiagnosed. Despite showing signs of clinically apparent decompensated shock, her initial high blood pressure, which then began free-falling, tachycardia, tachypia, weak peripheral pulses, reduced body temperature, she was not correctly diagnosed in time. The earlier warning signs during the stage of compensated shock, which is when the body is still able to maintain blood flow and pressure to the organs by increasing the heart rate and constricting the blood vessels, can quickly and critically progress to decompensated shock if not treated. The key difference in decompensated shock is that the body is no longer able to keep adequate blood pressure for the oxygen-rich blood to make it to your extremities and your vital organs. In a medical setting, this would be when you see the plummeting blood pressure or the inability to even obtain a blood pressure. It is highly critical to recognize these symptoms, and quickly for survival. However, because the urgency of Kaylee's symptoms were missed, her treatment was just too little, too late to save her life. Following Kaylee's death, a complaint was triggered with the College of Physicians and Surgeons against Dr. Taylor, leading to a hearing about his competence and role in Kaylee's passing. Dr. Taylor pled guilty to professional incompetence and was restricted from working in an ER or an ICU until he has been recertified in life support practices, such as ACLS and ATLS. He was also ordered to pay $20,000 to the College of Physicians to cover the cost of the hearing. Further, Kaylee's parents filed a statement of claim in the Supreme Court. Dr. Taylor did show remorse for the situation, and personally, I think it's important to recognize that he willingly pled guilty and accepted the sanctions against him. While it won't bring Kaylee back, I think it takes courage to recognize and admit your mistakes, and willingly face the consequences. Dr. Taylor also offered his condolences to the family for what he described as an emotional experience for him as well. I know that many of the doctors that are involved in the malpractice cases are often seen as the bad guy, but most doctors in practice take their oath to do no harm very seriously. Unfortunately, they work in an environment where mistakes, errors in judgment, or even distractions can have life and death consequences. I'm not trying to make excuses for what happened, but I truly did feel during the research of this story that Dr. Taylor was deeply remorseful. Many hearts were broken when Kaylee left this earth. And the lives of those left behind will never be the same. I did look up Dr. Taylor in my research and found records with the College of Physicians showing his full medical license was reinstated in August of 2013, roughly two years after Kaylee's passing. He graduated medical school in South Africa in 1981 putting him probably fairly close to retirement at the point of this recording in 2022. He still practices at the Western Memorial Hospital in Newfoundland. As for Kaylee's family, her little brother just recently got his driver's license. Kaylee's mom still posts memorials to Kaylee on Facebook, and I'll leave you with the words of her recent post. Quote, Happy heavenly birthday. You would have been 21 today. We miss you so much. There is a hole in our heart and our family that will never be filled. End quote. For sources and additional show notes, follow the link in the episode summary to our website. If you'd like to see pictures related to the episodes and the Miss Medical podcast, you can find us on Instagram as Miss Medical Podcast. If you love Miss Medical and want to support the show, find us on Patreon, where you can officially join the intern team. All episodes are written by myself and aim to be as factually accurate as possible. Music is an original composition recorded and produced by Jason Chamberlain. And of course, make sure you follow the podcast on your chosen platform so you never miss an episode.